Hey friends, it's your girl Krista Janine and we are back for season two of Trauma and Triumph. This season is filled with amazing stories from women who have used their trauma and turned it into triumph. We hope these stories inspire, encourage, and empower you to live the life of your dream. Okay, so welcome to the season finale of season two of Trauma and Triumph, friends. Thank you for joining us this season. I hope these stories have been inspirational and inspiring for you all and help you live a better life. So, per usual, I am the last episode of the season. Today I have Tyann Filson, who is going to be interviewing me about my trauma right and the reason why I really want my story to be the end of every season because trauma manifests in so many different ways and I want us to understand that it's not just one type of trauma that we should be focusing on or that we should be working through like there are so many levels to trauma and some of it is on a macro level some of it is on a micro level so just helping people understand the varying degrees of trauma um and Tyann was on season one of the series so if you haven't checked out her episode you should because it was amazing um it's called we all have nope we have the space to be our full selves is the name of her episode and it was season two of season one episode two of trauma and triumph so Tyann without further ado take it over amazing amazing i am so honored to get to interview you you're normally the one sitting on the other side of this microphone and so thank you for allowing me to sit down with you and thank you for sharing your story with all of us because i fully agree with you i think that sometimes trauma can have this like narrow lens but as you said there's there's many aspects of it and uh thank you for having that transparency that courage to come on and and tell your side of the story too so i'm looking forward to diving into this with you yeah me too i'm looking forward to see what's coming comes up i'm just be honest honest. you never cease to amaze me so (laughs) Uh, no doubt no doubt we are in for a treat so with that we are just going to dive right in with our first question which is what is one trauma-centered event you've experienced that strikes you as the um, the most, excuse me, which strikes you the most as one of the most pivotal moments in your life? Um, it's so funny because when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about for this episode in particular, I had a very clear idea of, of what it was and why I wanted to talk about it and how it even related to the work I'm doing outside of the podcast. But then I was having a conversation with my son last night and a completely different um, trigger happened in me, right? To the point where I'm like texting my friends this morning, like, I can't believe my mom said blah, blah, blah to him, right? And my therapist and I have been talking about this as well. And I have so much childhood trauma that I feel like many people who grew up in the black community have right it's not that my parents didn't love me it's not that my parents didn't try their best to like raise me to be a good person like that's not it at all but there is this reality of generational trauma that is passed down from grandparent to parent from parent to child and yes now we're in a phase of we're trying to be conscious parents we're trying to not do the things 
to our children that our parents did to us. But in that, there's this constant triggering that's happening, right? So (laughs) for me, it's like the trauma-centered event is having a conversation with my child yesterday, but the actual trauma pinpoint is my childhood and how Mm. I was raised, right? And I think for me, luckily I'm fortunate enough to be in therapy and have a good therapist. Everybody is not so blessed. So let's start there. And that in itself is a privilege that I do want to acknowledge because I think sometimes we're like, let's go to therapy, let's go to therapy. Everybody can't afford therapy and everybody doesn't have access to therapy if we're being 1000%. So I do want to acknowledge that as a jumping off point. But I also want to acknowledge the benefits of therapy because being able to acknowledge why something is triggering for you is one of the most profound things in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like one of the most, like, because it helps you reel it in quicker. Um, so that being said, I'll just stop there because that was the trigger point for me, if you will, or the the trauma, right? Being yeah. a parent. And last time I know I talked about being a single parent, but just a parent in general, because my friends who are married and have similar backgrounds to me still have the same issue with their mother, father, what have you, because of how we're choosing to raise our kids differently. Yeah. Yeah. I, for one, am so glad that you hit on this, Krista. And I'm sure that everybody that's listening is like, hallelujah, let's talk about it. Because I think there were so many points that you hit just in that opening statement, as you talk about you know, the event was last night, but the pinpoint was the childhood. And I think it's important, like you said, to acknowledge that our parents really did try their best. Our parents really did approach their parenting style from a place of love. I have no doubt about that. I also have no doubt that I can 100% agree with you that, and yet still, there's trauma, despite our best efforts. And I mean, we could go down this whole path of like, systematic things, right, Right. that play into that and uh, conditions and circumstances, especially in the Black community, right, that exacerbate the Mm -hmm. trauma that's passed generation to generation on back, way, way back. Mm -hmm. But as we fast forward to where we are now, you know, which is, what do we do about it? I, I love that you're opening up this conversation, and I hope that it encourages conversations amongst friend groups, amongst therapy circles like or therapy engagement like you're saying um and I don't know I just I think that it's great that we can talk about it so I appreciate you just even bringing this up um I think the question becomes like what do you do about it now now that you've identified it Mm -hmm. now that you see it and you're not necessarily placing blame you're just acknowledging where it came from right what do you do about it so I think the the bigger thing and just to get into the full scope of like the black community itself because I was thinking about this one day I was driving randomly I was driving on the 405 and if you live in California where the 405 meets the 101 there's always a backup traffic so I'm sitting there Mm. just thinking because I'm dying and I know to do because I'm just sitting in traffic and it's so interesting to me that our generation right Gen, where are we? Millennials and Gen X, right? Yep. So even mm-hmm. Xennials, right? Gen yep. X, Xennials, Millennials. We are in a very unique 
position in the world, right? We've experienced a lot of things. We understand life without technology. We also understand what life is like with technology. And we were forced to experience everything in warp speed. So because of that, we have access to so much information and so much historical context. So we, if we so choose to dive into it, right? And I say all this to say, I think about even like Black parents and spanking their kids, right? Mm. And it's like, the the rationale rationale behind it is actually coming from a place of love it's like Mm -hmm. i want to be the one to discipline you in this house so Mm -hmm. no one outside of this house has to or Mm -hmm. so you know how to comply with authority so you don't end up dead right Mm -hmm. and it's like that in itself was very much so trauma for the child experiencing it but also the parent was doing it so you would survive in this world, right? And that's something that's a very tangible example of how parenting happens, right? It's like that is actually coming from a place of love, even though it's traumatizing. So what do you do with that? And holistically, it's like, okay, let's acknowledge the fact that doing this is not beneficial to you or your child because you're actually igniting your own sense of trauma by doing this to your kid right but then how do we in turn still learn how to discipline our kids and not spank them and not punish them in a way that's going to like diminish who they are as people and for me that process of parenting my child has been a part of my healing journey right it's like I have to figure out how to still love and protect my black son so he can survive in this world, but not also give him this trauma in his house where he should be safe. And that was always one of my biggest things. Like when I first started therapy as an adult, I was like, I've never had a place in my life where I felt safe. Right. And I mean like a physical like place where it's like, Oh, I'm here. I am safe now. It's fine. I've never had that. And as a parent, that's been my biggest, like, desire is to make sure my child feels safe at home feels comfortable at home knows that this is his like space where he doesn't have to pretend or be anything else or appease people like he can just be himself which I think is is why I got so triggered by his conversation with my mom because I went Mm. to San Francisco for a week and I flew her in and they were butting heads the whole week like she was texting me he was texting me I was like y'all figure it out like I'm not I'm not there. I don't know. Everybody knows. Yeah. But I think for me, because of how I'm raising him, it's such a stark difference um, how she raised me and my brothers. That she's mm. like, oh, he's disrespectful, or oh, he's super, like, you know, snappy, or oh, he's not, you know, being, um, he's not complying. Yep. And then for him, he's like, Nana's mean and she doesn't let me do anything and she's wrong sometimes but you know she doesn't want me to tell her that she's wrong and I'm just like (laughs) being the bridge between those two generations is so funny to me because I'm like you're both crazy (laughs) honestly like no one's right in this situation (laughs) but I say all that to say it really is figuring out a way to learn from your parents mistakes give them grace understand why they did what they did because I also think that's so important 
especially because like now all black parents well not all black parents but a lot of black parents are like i'm not gonna spank my child and that was traumatizing me blah blah blah, blah. but none of us are connecting the dots into like why our parents even did it right that's it like yeah no nobody's like oh my parents did that because of whatever and a lot of it is fear it's like if you don't get yourself together the world is going to destroy you outside of absolutely right and that's why our parents raised us the way they raised us right like as an adult i can thoroughly see that as a child a few more explanations would have been appreciated (laughs) absolutely oh my gosh like you are just really hitting on it and i think so part of what i'm hearing you saying is like first we've got to name the trauma right and so you did like i love that you gave that very tangible example of spanking and that's just one that's just one example but you can take that all the way through so it's like name what the trauma is but then as you said well what was the intention behind that action what were they trying to do like you said they were trying to keep us safe from the world meanwhile unintentionally creating an environment at home that felt traumatizing right so it's like name it understand what was the intention but then now where we are today is okay well what's the new approach and to your point, it's like, I think that a lot of us, to your point, this Gen X to millennial space is like, we are trying a new approach, but you, we still need to go back, reach back and say, but what was the outcome that our parents were trying to get to, mm-hmm. right? Like helping us to understand how to navigate a cruel world, helping us to understand that life won't always be so forgiving to us mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Um but then, yeah, to your point, and then what's that underlying factor? If it's if it's fear that's driving that, it's like, okay, well, what's the work that we got that we have to do to overcome that fear, so that we can parent with the same intention, but from a different place with a new approach. Exactly. So that think, is awesome. And I think it's like, and I speak to this so often. This is why I'm going back to school with my PhD because I am uninterested in the symptoms. I want to know what the disease is, right? Mm. Like from a holistic standpoint, which is very much so what my dissertation is going to be on. And we can put a pin in that. But I feel like so often we get wrapped up in like, well, this is the problem and this is the problem and this is the problem, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, those aren't actually the problem. Those are the symptoms to what the problem is. And even in relation to our parenting style because a lot of people don't understand conscious parenting they think this is like oh you let your kid do whatever they want to do and they can blah blah blah. it's like that's not conscious parenting because that's not good parenting either you have to help your children understand boundaries and you have to help them understand the world that they live in and what they have to face right so Mm -hmm. conscious parenting isn't just letting your kids have a free-for-all right like yeah it's accountability it's accountability oh my god and I think sometimes I, again, my own triggers, but I, with Chris, am so big on accountability and what you're doing in a situation, whether somebody is right or wrong or indifferent, because I'm like, in the real world, it won't matter what somebody else did. What's going to matter is what you did in response to that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think about... And not to bring his father into this, but I think about how his father has such a lack of accountability, right? Mm. His friends don't hold him accountable. His parents don't hold him accountable. Everybody was really like, oh, poor Black man out in this world, growing up on the 
streets of Newark. And I'm not going to act like he had an easy life or an easy childhood, but it's like, my dude, black man, like you need to hold yourself accountable and understand, yeah, yeah, you are a black man. And this world, specifically America, was not set up for you to succeed. And because of that, your, your barrier of entry is higher than most and your ability to slip up is mm-hmm. so much smaller. Mm-hmm. You have to hold yourself accountable even when nobody else is doing it. And I think that's why I'm so big on accountability with Chris. Or even when I coach soccer, right? Those kids yeah. out there, all these kids are super privileged. They have whatever they want. All their friends have whatever they want. And they don't understand like that everything isn't always going to work your way, right? And if I can teach them in this short amount of time about accountability, about being a good person, about... <laughs> your privilege like that in itself is so profound for them outside of of just the sport of soccer like I love soccer don't get me wrong but like there's so many life lessons you can teach by showing these kids how to kick a ball right absolutely but anyway to reel it in I think for me my biggest thing is like I want him to have emotional intelligence I want him to understand historically why his life is going to be a little harder even though he is still privileged right like (laughs) I feel like the the biggest mind fuck for privileged black kids is understanding that they don't understand that people are going to look at them and think that they're poor or that Mm. they're going to do something wrong or that they're going to steal because they're like yeah why would I what that doesn't even that doesn't even compute for them right and helping them get that it's kind of sad a little bit right because you're like yeah yeah it's really messed up yeah because you are in this bubble of protection and you're in this bubble of privilege but once you step outside this bubble that your family has created for you bruh it don't matter and people are gonna assume that the nice things you had you stole and they're gonna Mm -hmm. assume that that nice car you're in isn't yours and you have to teach your kids how to navigate that but you don't have to do it in a detrimental way to their ego you don't have to do it in a way that makes them feel like they can't communicate their feelings you can do it in a way and I also feel like our parents didn't have these tools right yep (laughs) to say all right, I need my kid to get this, but how do I help them understand it without igniting that trauma in them, right? Because that's really what it was. It's like, they need to understand the trauma and that if they don't do it right, that this is like the trauma that they'll experience. It's like, how do you get the same result without having to provide the trauma yourself? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the balancing act that we're all trying to figure out right now. Yeah, especially helping our parents heal too, because that's part of it. We sit in the middle of it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I think that we're in this already. I think we're talking about it, and and trust me, there's so many ways we could go with this. Almost like there could be like a whole part two about like the privilege side of trauma and navigating that bridge in between. But I want to come back to. Um, how this did change you. So we talked about your parenting style and your parenting impact. But anything else, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, anything that you can speak to in terms of how this has changed you? I think 
something I say all the time, but I, I thoroughly mean it. I don't want to fuck with my kids. Yep. And, like, and in a real in a real way, like that is my biggest fear as a parent where I'm like, I'm not going to prepare this human to be a not even a good human, just somebody that can navigate life, right? Like that is my yeah. biggest fear as a parent. Yeah. And and I tell people all the time, I was like, and you don't know until it's over. You don't know if you did it right or did it wrong until your kid is out here in the world and it's like, uh, you are you an inmate or are you like the president? A productive citizen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, you're not gonna know until it's over. So <laughs> that even when I got pregnant, I remember thinking to myself once I decided I was gonna keep my child, which is a whole different conversation, which you can revisit in season one if you wanna understand mm-hmm. that whole story but my biggest thing is like I understood from a very tangible standpoint of what having a depressed parent looked like I understood what having a parent that was unfulfilled looked like I understood what having a parent who hadn't healed from their childhood trauma like I knew what that felt like in my body and yeah. I didn't want to pass that on to my child right right so I was very intentional from the beginning of like going to therapy and people always ask me why did you start going to therapy why did you start going to therapy and it's not that I was ever against therapy but I think having a child makes you understand that like your actions really are going to impact somebody else's life in a in a real way in a really right? profound way Yep. In a really profound way. And if you don't have your life together, or at least attempting to get it together, you're going to deeply impact somebody's life in a way that they're never going to be able to fully recover from, right? Like I look at my parents, they, they're in their 60s. And they still to this day talk about the stuff that happened to them as children. Yes. Yes. And it's like, you can't undo that Hmm. as much as you want to and even if it's like because even with me it's like I'm in therapy and I'm doing all the things and blah 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 blah, but I still get triggered by things from my childhood and I was so deeply aware of that when I had my son that was like I gotta figure out (laughs) how to how to make his childhood as the least amount of trauma possible right (laughs) it's like it's gonna happen trauma happens yes but like the my goal was like the least amount possible is what I was going for um so yeah I mean that's that's really for me what what it came down to is like I had to dive into my own stuff so I wouldn't pass it on to my kid but you know what as you say that and I really appreciate that and I think every parent listening or even someone who has a, a parental role in somebody's life. Anybody can, can hear and relate to that. I was just driving home last night. There was a question that was posed at a panel where they were asking about like, what was your biggest fuck up and how did you recover? And I struggled to come up with one until I thought about some of the things that happened. Um, and I won't go too far into it, but like things that I did as a parent that I wish I could undo. There's not much in my life because I feel like it all leads us to where we are. But as a parent, back to your point, not wanting to mess your children up, not wanting to fuck your children up. And it's like, oh, there are some things I wish I could take back because I was triggered or unequipped at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. But 
what it also reminded me of was a conversation I had with a therapist uh, some years back that talked about this rupture repair relationship, right? And so like when you have a healthy dynamic of like, we're all going to make mistakes and those mistakes might cause a rupture, but as a conscious parent, who's mindful of their actions and how their actions, which is what you're talking about, this conscious parenting, we are intentional about the repair. Hey, I'm going to own my stuff and I'm going to hold myself accountable, right? And so our child can see us processing through the things that, you know, we wish we could do differently. And, and sometimes we make mistakes, but then we, we check ourselves and we challenge ourselves to do better. And so that's what I hear you talking about is it's the conscious parenting it is the personal accountability, which sets an example of our ch for our children, right? And then last but not least, I would just throw in one of the four agreements, which is to just always do your best. So like, we're, no, we're not perfect. And I think it's okay to show our children that we're not perfect, but we're always going to do our best. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 you know, I believe that that helps us. And gosh, just everything that you're saying is just so relatable. It is just so but, relatable. But just to your point too, is like, accountability goes both ways and I feel like that's something that our parents didn't have that mm. that understanding that accountability goes both ways because to your point we're all humans we're all gonna mess up mm -hmm. but it's like don't be afraid to say sorry to your kid or don't be Heck. afraid to be like hey I was wrong my bad right 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 and like Chris and I really have that understanding of I don't know everything and you can ask me questions and if I don't know the answer I'm gonna tell you to google it yeah I don't know right yeah yeah and I think our parents didn't have that I'm gonna speak to my mother specifically because my father is a very like self-assured man but didn't have the confidence in themselves to say I don't know or to mm -hmm. apologize right because that means like, oh, you messed up. Yeah. I mess up all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mess up all the time. I apologize to my kid. I apologize to my dog, right? Like, I'm not one to be like, I'm so perfect. I never messed up. But what was lacking in that is understanding you're teaching your child how to apologize. Yeah. Right? Own your stuff. Right. Own yourself. Be accountable for your actions. Because for a very long time as an adult, I looked at apologies as a weakness. And I was like, I'm not apologizing to nobody. Mm -hmm. Leave me alone. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I did it and I don't care. Yeah. But as a more evolved human, <laughs> I understand like, yeah, you know, there are things I don't even know I don't know. Or there are people mm -hmm. that I unintentionally, you know, trigger or disrespect. Mm -hmm. And it's not my intention, right? Mm -hmm. But it also goes back to like intention versus impact, which I think is the overarching conversation we're having now is like our parents' intention versus the impact they had on us. And even our intentions versus like the impact they're having on our kids. And I try my best with my son and I'm not going to act like he's perfect or I'm perfect because we're not. But it is very much so him understanding that what you do and say Mm -hmm. impacts people it affects people right and if you're wrong you have to say you're wrong if people are correcting you they're not correcting you because they're being mean or because they don't like you they're correcting you because they want you to be better so right now we're at this very interesting phase where he doesn't like to be wrong mm. which mm -hmm. who does but I'm like, it's okay for people to correct you. It's okay for you to get constructive feedback. Like if people aren't 
doing it to be mean to you, right? And they're really doing it from a place of love. Like you then have to be open to receive it. And I think it just, again, he's a very emotionally intelligent child. Like he's only nine, but I think I'm starting to see the the benefits of not just telling him to go like sit down somewhere and be quiet, right? Yeah. And the benefits of being like, process your emotions or use your words or don't just like hold stuff in it's like you start to see it manifest at an early age because like he's only nine he'll be 10 in may but like that's how i want him to continue to grow and develop and and again that's why i made decisions in regards to how i parent him that's why i allow to be in his life even his father like all of this is a part of that consciousness of understanding what's happening now is going to fuel him for the rest of his life yeah yeah and I mean just one quick thing I want to touch on as you were talking and it it leads into like you and your 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 journey with Chris but it's like our parents were grappling with a fear to your point a fear of looking weak or a a fear that led to like the not having the confidence to to speak and now it's like if you are wrong, what's the fear that that's bringing up for you? Let's address that, you know? And so, I don't know, I'm going back and forth about what you said about like symptoms versus disease. And it's like, is the fear the disease or is the fear a symptom of something even bigger, right? It's definitely something bigger. And I think, for instance, with my mom, and I love my mother so much. I really do. Hmm. But I feel like... I feel like this is a layered situation. I feel like one, and I ugh, and I know people are going to be like, I can't believe she just said that. I feel like her faith in God was too, was too unwavering mm. to a certain extent. I feel like she allowed herself to be in situations that were detrimental to her self-esteem, that were detrimental to who she was as a person, that made her constantly question herself in the name of like doing the Lord's work. Because mm. I'm like, Jesus don't want you to be struggling like this. At least not my Jesus. If that's your Jesus, by all means. My Jesus don't want me to be stressed out all the time. I'm gonna be honest. Um, we talked about it. That's not, that's not it. Yeah, <laughs> but I I do feel like she needed a space where she wasn't being questioned about what she did or why or like her intelligence or you know mm-hmm. her wherewithal or whether or not she was capable and she had these children specifically me not even necessarily my brothers as much but definitely me more so than them just because I am a, I was a girl I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. and she needed a space where she didn't have to feel inferior and that manifested in the way she parented me right and mm. and her her fear of being wrong had more to do with her and less to do with me and as an adult yes I see that absolutely yeah but as a child I'm like what is wrong with you like why are you always upset But also this understanding, and I think this is why I struggle so much with relationships, because understanding how much she sacrificed 
for our family for my brother's career I'm like ain't no way couldn't be me um but also to that point it's like I feel like sometimes and we had a point after Chris was born where we really struggled where we didn't even talk because Mm. I feel like she felt that I thought I was better than her and I was like lady I'm just trying to pay my bills, right? Like it's it ain't got nothing to do with you or anybody else, but I feel like that is where we start to butt heads the most because I am financially independent and I am taking care of my kid by myself. And I think she was so afraid to leave her marriage because she was like, I don't know how to provide for my kids or myself. I don't have a career that's established. Like yada, yada, yada. And my parents are fine now or like, you know, they're old, like married yeah. people, so they're great. But I think there was a point where she would have liked to be independent of mm. a man, right? And she just never had that. So I think to a certain extent, and I hate to say it, she's like envious of my life. And that manifests in different ways where she has to constantly overcompensate and prove that she is a better mother than me or that she knows how to do things better than me or that Mm. she knows my kid better than me and again understanding that right let's put that to the side it doesn't change the fact that I don't like it right it's like you're annoying bro because I'm not doing anything to you and I and I told her this once my dad too I was like y'all really love y'all sons so much but understand this when the shit hits the fan and y'all have to be taken care of when you're older, your sons ain't showing up. I'm sorry. They are going to put you in a nursing home and pay that monthly bill, right? Like, let's not act like that's not the truth. <laughs> like, let's, again, reality check, but for whatever reason, and not my father as much as my mom, but I'm just like, you know, we got to meet somewhere in the middle because yeah. I understand why you do the things you do but you don't understand why the things you do negatively impact me yeah. and how they deeply disrupt my everyday life yeah you know and you said so much and in fact I can't wait to like process that back because there's a lot there that I think everybody can pick from to unpack you know from the role that religion plays in influencing fear to the dynamics of like maybe we can call them regrets or you know uh, people looking back on their life and saying you know there was another path that I would have wanted to have taken or whatever there's a lot there but but without trying to go like too far down those paths let's talk about the healing part let's talk about like where you are now so now that you've been able to identify some of these things and name them and choose your own approach as a parent um, I love what you said earlier about therapy and acknowledging that it, it is a privilege for a lot of us to be able to go to therapy. Tell me more about the healing. What does that look like now? Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of people who have childhood trauma will say raising your child is the healing process, mm. right? And raising your child how you would have wanted to be raised mm-hmm. is the healing process. Like, The fact that my kid can not only articulate his feelings, right, (laughs) his emotions, and isn't afraid to be like, yeah, I'm going to cry because this hurts, or I don't like that, or so-and-so did this and it upset me, you know? It's like, 
even him talking to me about his dad, right? Which is uncomfortable mm. for me because I'm like, oh, okay. But like, even though I don't like it, the fact that he feels safe enough to bring up those conversations to me, right? Like, right. that's so important because, and I'm thinking long term. Because there's going to be a time in life where he's a teenager and he's out in these streets and stuff is happening. And, you know, I still want to know whether I like what he's doing or not. I want to know what he's doing so we can have a conversation about it. And so he knows, like, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to be like, oh, that's just straight up wrong and stupid. (laughs) Like, why would you do that? Right? So for me, we are building that foundation now because he's not always going to be in close proximity to me even now as a nine-year-old he goes off with his friends and does stuff right or he goes to you know school and field trips and like he's out and about without me you know which is as a black mother of a black boy is very stressful for me because yeah he's nine but that's when it starts to change when people start to view our boys as threats right it's like nine or ten especially depending on their height and luckily he's short yeah that's probably not luckily for him luckily for me because he still looks young right but when he starts to really develop and get older and he's gonna have a muscular build and he you know what i mean it's like as a parent i'm constantly thinking about all these things so i just want him to be able to control himself in the spaces when i'm not around and yeah. you know he does now right and even when he gets in trouble at school like he he can adapt well right and he yeah. is very much so not stuck in this is what I want to do and this is why I did it and I don't feel bad about it and blah 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 like he's very malleable with the way he lives his life and I for me that is like the best type of human to raise right yeah that's that's my healing but that's also like the the triumph in the situation like yeah my my childhood didn't suck but it also wasn't amazing right it's like there were things that were very much so detrimental to who I was who I am as a person but there were things that were beneficial so I think the healing process is using the things that were beneficial and getting rid of the things that weren't right yeah and acknowledging why because I think that's the biggest thing is like why was this not beneficial or why did I feel so detached from so many things and still to this day I feel detached from things right but it's like how do you counter that in your parenting style so you don't do the same thing to your kid right right yeah what I hear you talking about because you said it earlier is that like we want to create this safe space for our children our, our parents wanted the same thing. They're, they just, their their means to that end didn't always land, right, the way that they intended. But now it's like you've taken, you've identified it, taken this new approach, and you and you can get to that end state in a, a healthier way. It doesn't mean we won't make mistakes, but again, it goes back to being accountable. And in doing so, you've now and are in the process of raising a child that's more adaptable and more accountable and has a, a space that feels safer than what you, you know, have experienced in in your childhood right and so I do I can see how that becomes the healing process and to your point because we're talking about generational he'll take those lessons forward right and he'll say here were the things that my mom did that really created safe spaces for me here's how she taught me how to be accountable and how to adapt to my environment 
I'm going to layer on some new things that I learned and I'm going to pull from these lessons from the past. And so, yeah, it's a healing journey, not just for you and not just for your son, but for the generations to come. Yeah, for sure. And my parents, like, I, (laughs) something happened while my mom was here visiting and like Chris was upset. And at first she was telling him to stop crying. And I was like, let him cry. Like, who cares? Like, it hurts clearly. Like, let him cry. Yeah. Um, because he's not a big crier anyway and even when he cries it's not he's gonna be crying forever like he's not ridiculous and he never has been and then like after I was done because something was wrong with his foot so after I was done like cleaning up whatever was wrong with his foot like he lays on me and he like gives me this hug he's still crying and blah 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 and she's just like looking at me and I think for her she was processing what just happened as well Mm. because I could have been upset with Chris because what what was wrong with his foot was his fault, right? <laughs> like, you you created this. You created this problem for yourself. But regardless, it's like, I'm going to tell you why you created this problem for yourself, but you can't, two truths can exist at once, right? Yep, yes, duality. You were wrong and you caused this issue, but as your parent, I'm still going to help you work through it and support Mm. you and not be mad at you and I'm going to teach you how in the future to make sure it doesn't happen again right and I feel like that's not how I was parented I was parented from the mindset of you're wrong you did something wrong it's your fault deal with it don't cry because it's your fault and it's like even things your fault it still hurts and it's still sad and yeah I might shed a couple of tears like it it hurts right (laughs) but like support me in that yeah even if you have to like reprimand me you can still reprimand from a space of love and support me at the same time like I feel like that's where our parents miss the mark they they didn't know how to do both yeah and they're seeing us try to figure out how to do it with our kids and again it don't always work because sometimes they'll be like ah I want you to not do the things that you do but at the end of the day, especially now he's nine, you can't pull back on that. Like, yeah. <laughs> after conscious parenting for so long, now your kids are holding you accountable to the standard that you have set, right? Yeah. So you yeah. have to continue with it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting to to see things connect with my parents just based off of how I'm raising my kid, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's very, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. It is. I feel like our parents, though, a lot of times, or I don't know about yours, or I know you mentioned like your dad, my dad will tell me how much he learned from me now. Right. And I learned from my kids, like mine are in their 20s. Right. And so I'm talking to whether it's my daughter, whether it's my sons, and it's like, I'm pulling from them to be like, the lessons continue. It's a, it's a two way street now. So I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. Um, I think you've peppered it throughout this conversation, but tell me and tell everyone listening um, about the strength that you've gained in this journey. Yeah, I think it's just, I mean, it's twofold. It's probably more than twofold, but I think because of the work that I do and because of the things I'm passionate about, it's really made me gain perspective from a historical context as to mm. why our community is the way it is 
as to why we parent the way we parent, as to why even now this generation has decided we don't want to parent this way any longer, right? Yeah, yeah. So from a career standpoint, it's really put things in perspective in a way that allow me to do the work that I do on a grand scale, right? Mm. You gotta have perspective. If I don't have historical context as to why something is the way it is, I can't help change it. Again, going back to the disease and not the symptom. I am uninterested in symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. But then on a personal level, I think it's just allowed me to be very clear and unwavering in the type of person I want to be, in the type of parent I want to be, and what my hard and fast boundaries are. More so with my family, I'm still working on boundaries with other people. It's a whole different conversation. Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. (laughs) And I feel like my biggest um, traumas are centered around my family in a real way. And in regards to dating, in regards to how I have friendships with people, in regards to how I parent my child, it's like digging into my um, family of origin and, and acknowledging that is helping me in every other aspect yeah. of my life. So like that in itself is a strength of understanding, again, of understanding what is the root issue within you that is peppered throughout the way you engage with people. Um, it's very powerful because you start to navigate things so differently. You start to evaluate yourself differently. You start to communicate differently when you understand why you do yep. what you do. Um, and then overall, I mean, it just, it just allows me to tell people to go fuck themselves. And I hate to be so crass, but at the end of the day it really has helped me understand that sometimes it's not about me Mm. people's issues people's problems with me people's I don't like what you did even though I didn't do nothing to them and what I did was to my own person or in relation to something that got nothing to do with them again that doesn't have anything to do with me absolutely that in itself is so profound and so powerful because it allows you to release a lot of things that are holding up space in your mind Mm -hmm. and in your heart right and again it's an ongoing process but I think that's one of the biggest strengths that I've gained from just the process of healing from my childhood healing from things that happened in in my origin story if you will right like every every hero has an origin story yes but it and not that I'm a hero let's relax that but I do think it's so important for us to understand that because that is where your strength lies in understanding your trauma yeah I mean and I'm going to challenge you I do think that I think we are each the hero of our own story I think we're the the hero of our own story because to your point, um, what we're going through is for us to navigate and it's for us to overcome. And that's what we're talking about. Like we're talking about the triumph. So why not own being the hero? It's not like you're holding yourself on a pedestal above anybody else. That's not what you're saying, right? You're saying like, you're the hero of your story. I'm the hero of mine. Your mom is the hero of her story. Chris is the hero of his, Yeah. right? And you know, every hero has their flaw, um, but we all find our way toward triumph. 
and and we all have a story to 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 walk through. So yeah. no, I I think that's I think that's dope, and I think this conversation is going to help so many people. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball in here just for a minute because I I know you <laughs> like kind of controversial questions and topics. So when we first got into this, yep, when we first <laughs> got into this, uh, a, a quote came to mind and I couldn't quite recall it, but it had something to do with like the trauma you experienced in your childhood isn't your fault, but as an adult, you have like the responsibility to heal that trauma, right? So I'm trying to find this quote as we're talking and instead I find this this graphic, this meme that says trauma is not your fault and then it crosses out, but healing is your responsibility. So basically what they're saying is trauma is not your fault, period. And I'm like, I actually like the rest of that sentence that says, but healing is your responsibility. So I want to know your take that somebody else has a different opinion where they're just stopping it at trauma is not your fault. So like react to that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I talk about my son's father so much because he is a perfect example of what happens when you're like trauma is not your fault, period. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, correct. But two things can exist in the same space. Trauma yeah. is not your fault, but especially as an adult, yes. it is your responsibility to heal from that trauma so you don't traumatize other people. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that people don't connect. Even me calling this podcast trauma and triumph right there are a lot of people who are like trauma isn't necessary and everything doesn't happen for a reason and blah 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 blah. and I'm like and I have to be mindful you know about saying that because I I thoroughly believe everything happens for a reason and I thoroughly believe that trauma heartache loss um all the discomforts in life that that make you grow are necessary you're not gonna grow if everything's easy you're not going to have compassion if you've never had to struggle or suffer you're not gonna be empathetic if you don't understand the need to be empathized with yeah yeah so yeah i think and it's 2022 right go to therapy if you can't go to therapy go on there are so many resources and I know I'm saying like therapy is a privilege it is but yep uh open path collective they have sliding scale therapy um what is it the healing space I believe um therapy for black girls like there's so many resources especially and I speak so much to the black community and not that I don't care about other people but like I'm actually very much so invested in the Black community. Yeah, We are at a point where enough is enough. You can't pray it away. Oprah ain't on the air no more unless you have own. Everybody ain't paying for cable. Like, we have to start doing our own healing and taking accountability for our own realities. Yeah, yeah. And, like, we are at a constant state of trauma the fact that more black people are not in therapy is still mind-boggling to me because you open your phone you're traumatized as a black person you go outside you're traumatized as a black person you go to work you go to church you go wherever there is a constant state of trauma that is being um pushed on us yeah 
yeah and we're not dealing with it yeah and it and it is to our own detriment right and we are too evolved as a people at this point to still rest on this reality of like therapy isn't for us or therapy is only for crazy people or blah 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 we're past that yeah we, yep. we have to start taking accountability Absolutely. for it and and doing better and wanting better for ourselves and for our kids yeah. or if you don't have kids for your nieces and nephews or the random guy the, the people whoever. that look up to you yeah yeah, yeah. i want to add to your resources because you're right not everyone has access to some of this stuff but like Saved as a bookmark on my phone, so it's a finger touch away, National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI, maybe, in N-A-M-I, um, NAMI.org, and they have, like, these crisis lines and these helplines and these resources, and so, again, getting rid of the stigma and the, the false narrative that we can't seek help for that which plagues us right and I, I I love that I mean you kind of you answered the next question which is you know telling what to tell someone that's going through a similar situation is like we've got to find our way toward healing yeah um yeah um and I feel like for so long as a black community we weren't giving access to these resources because because our country isn't set up for us to heal our country isn't set up for us to thrive and be better right it yeah. is beneficial to the way our country is set up, right? For us to not heal, yeah. for us to not be better, you know? Um, you have, what is it called? The prison, um, oh God. Mm. The, the, uh, the past the, the prison pipeline? It's the financial, financial game of the privatization of, um, prison systems in America and I forget the name of it right now I'll mm. put it in the show notes y'all but it is financially beneficial to this country's top one percent for us to go to prison <laughs> yeah. because if they don't have these prisons filled to a certain capacity they're not making money from the state they're not making money from the federal government right so it is in the top one percent's best interest for us not to heal Mm. right but again understanding that is so important that's why i tell people like un understanding historical context understanding current financial situations all of this is important because it's going to make you move differently in the world it just will yeah 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 the prison right, industrial con complex is what's called the prison industrial uh. complex I'm going to have to do some searching on that because I think in understanding that context is super valuable, even if to your point and like not to go too far back, but whether it's religion, whether it's politics, whether it's social construct, doing the research to understand the context and to form, you know, like your own opinion, opinions due to your, your research. That's important. So thank you for sharing that. That's, that's something for us to look into. Um, all right, I know we got to start to wrap up here. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard. And when you and I get on the phone together, it's like, hey, it's going to be 20 minutes to I know, later. I know. <laughs> but you know what, though? And I, and I love that. And I think it's also, it's also interesting because it's like, we have to like set those time limits where it's like, hey, okay, we got to get back in real life. But yeah. it's so important to be surrounded by like-minded people who you can have these conversations with, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's a bigger conversation that I want people to take away from this 
in particular is like you have to surround yourself with the right people as you're healing, as you're parenting, as you're diving into your past trauma. Mm-hmm. If you don't, it's going to be so much harder to actually heal. I agree. One thing I would add to what you're saying is like surround yourself with people that are willing to have these conversations, but also will challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the ideas to help us all grow, like challenge my ideas. Let me challenge yours. Like let's, you know, let's push each other to, to learn more, Absolutely. to go deeper. I, I love Absolutely. that. I love what you're saying. Um, okay. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question and I got a follow-up for you, but this first question, how do you feel as though you found triumph in the aftermath of the, the childhood trauma you talked about? I think it's still a process, but I do okay. feel like how my child is turning out is the trauma. I mean, it's not the trauma, it's, it's the trauma. It's the triumph. Um, yep. I think he's going to be a really great human being and he's going to have the tools to navigate the world whether I'm near or far or even still you know earth side right like he's going to be prepared to be a whole person and not need to find fulfillment or validation from anyone else that's amazing and I I do I love that you said that and and wrap that up in such a concise way because I think that you've been leading us or leading to that right through this conversation but just to really say you know the triumph is bringing the next generation forward in a in a a healthier more whole more equipped way and that's incredible and I think that I know I know a thousand percent you're doing your best I'll give myself some credit and I think these all the other parents out there right like we're doing our best to do the same do the same thing okay I have this question for you that takes us on to another path um and I think this is important because so many people tune in to hear you whether it's in this podcast whether it's on your social channels whether it's in other spaces that you show up and teach and educate and influence as someone who's fairly transparent and very visible on social how do you protect your energy because because that in itself right could be a path toward trauma how do you protect your energy being in such a visible space (laughs) Uh, it's so interesting because my friends are like yeah you're an influencer blah blah blah, whatever and I'm like "Uh, I guess guys sure um but I think (laughs) one of the biggest things I don't take myself that serious Mm. like I I'll be quick to tell people like yo the person you want me to be like you really have high expectations for me I'm not that person (laughs) like (laughs) sometimes I ain't shit and that's okay (laughs) right and (laughs) and and I know that in myself so I think the more I lean into the reality of like, I'm doing this because I I literally see a need for what I'm doing. And I feel like people need to be seen and they need to be heard and they need to feel like their existence matters. Yeah. Um, But that being said, I think recently I've come to a point, I was looking at some comments on an Aloe Moves, um, promo that they have right now 
and I mean, okay, like I'm the person in the the um, commercial, and there's just so much like again, right? It's it's weeding out what we pay attention to because there are all these wonderful comments, and then like five or six like unflattering comments. One, it's me not focusing on the negative comments mm-hmm. that aren't constructive, that are just like mean. And then it's also me not not getting a big head on what the nice comments are, right? Uh, yep. It's me just staying in perspective of like, I'm happy people are excited about this and like, yes, it needed to happen and yes, people need to feel seen. But also people who are upset and who don't like my presence in this space, who are you, right? Mm. It's like, if you didn't like it, and this is my thing too, on social media that like always boggles my mind. Everything I scroll past on social media, I don't necessarily agree with, I don't necessarily like, but I also don't have a deep desire to comment on it and say that I don't like it. And I think that's also because coming from an understanding of how social media works if i engage with this in any way shape or form all the algorithm sees is that i'm engaging with it mm-hmm. and i don't want to give this any more engagement because i don't like it because i don't yeah. like it and people don't understand that as a whole if you literally don't like something and you think something's horrible don't engage with it because then the algorithm will remove it from your feed. But the more you engage with it, the more it's going to show up for you, right? Absolutely. So I think that's kind of how I navigate it from so many different layers of like, none of this is real, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's my biggest takeaway is like, none of this is real. People can like me today and hate me tomorrow. I've worked in television and a film long enough to know that's how it works. Yeah. Full cycle. Yeah. Um, and what's hot today and trending now might not be trending tomorrow. So I'm gonna ride this wave as long as I can. Yeah. And yeah. then move on, right? It's all it's all perspective. Um, but that that last part is probably the newest for me. Cause somebody made a really like crappy comment the other day and I just laughed at them. I was like, Well, clearly somebody likes what I'm doing because I'm on this platform and you're not, right? And clearly people are enjoying it because if they weren't, it wouldn't still yeah. be getting promoted. Because the promo that they're pushing right now is from July. So I think I had to have that come to Jesus moment myself where it's like, girl, people are just going to be mad because they want to be mad. And actually, yeah. again, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Absolutely. No, I think everything that you just said also ties back to everything that we just talked about. Now, don't get me wrong, like, there, you know, I love what you said about, like, don't take yourself too seriously. I think that's necessary, whether it's in your influencer space or even as a parent where it's like you still have to have space to be a human and to remember that you are a human and that, like, we are, we are flawed people. So I love that. Um, also, just that force field. So I don't know if you read Kevin Hart's most recent book, but it, it's a whole nother story. Um, but he does talk about this force field, and it's like, as someone that's trying to do something important, whether it's in your own life with your own family or whether it's like impacting, you know, millions of people in, in impressions, you have to have this force field that says, you know what, I will take the good with the bad. And I'm not going to put too much weight on either because, you know, because it's an unstable environment. Like, let's just be honest. Exactly. Exactly. It really is. 
Yeah. And so, I, yeah. And then to your point about people choosing to engage in things where it's just like, some people just feel like they just have to have a voice, but it's like the more that you give voice to that, the more energy you're expending and you're pulling back into yourself. And it's like, why do that? So exactly. yeah, those are good lessons. And I think that again, whether we're talking about someone's approach as a parent or someone's own personal passion or pursuit of greatness, whatever that means, I think having those those truths and having those like potential pieces of advice can help in so many spaces. Yeah. And understanding, and I mean, just to go along with this analogy with social media, you curate your own experience. Yeah. Whether it's online or whether it's in real life, right? Like you curate what's coming to your for you page, just like you curate what you're receiving in your everyday life. Oh my God. Putting out is what you're going to get back. What you're engaging with is what you're going to get in return. So you have to be mindful with where you direct your energy. You just do. And and social media is a perfect example. And I think people, because one of my friends, and I know we're like running short on time. One of my friends um, looked at my TikTok. And she was like, your TikTok is so different than mine. Your TikTok is like what I want my TikTok to be. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, girl, because I understand how the algorithm works. And again, this is me working in tech and working in TV and understanding how the algorithm works. But my social media experience is very curated because I don't want things that are going to upset me to come in my For You page, right? And I don't want things that I don't agree with to come here. I have to deal with that in real life. I am here for enjoyment, right? And I also think a lot of people don't (laughs) understand the difference, right? It's it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to stress you out. It's not supposed to like be triggering. If you're constantly being triggered by your social media, you need to consider who you're following and what you're engaging with because it's your fault, right? <laughs> like it is your fault and you can easily control that with a couple of unfollows and a couple of unlikes. Like it's mm. not, it's not as hard and same point in real life. You can easily start to disassociate from people, stop engaging with people, stop. It's, it, it carries over on, on so yeah. many levels. There are definitely parallels to that. I mean, and I don't I don't think that you're saying this, so I won't like negate the fact that um there are challenges in life, right? That some of us like have right. a harder time navigating our right. way out. And then I know you're Absolutely. acknowledging because we just had a whole conversation. So I know yeah. you're acknowledging that. But on like kind of the most basic level of life, we are curating our life experience and and you can certainly do that as it relates to social absolutely Absolutely. Absolutely. yeah yeah thank you for sharing that i mean mic drop (laughs) (laughs) right go follow me on instagram guys no (laughs) exactly i mean yeah exactly so i mean i know that we're starting to close out here is there anything that i didn't ask you about or anything that you didn't get to touch on that you want everyone to hear I mean, it's it's so interesting because, again, I want people to understand trauma manifests in so many different ways, right? Yep. And even though I feel like my last, um, like, end of season was about parenting in a different regard and, like, being a single parent, and this one is also about parenting, parenting in relation to my parents, like, my original topic I was going to talk about is, like, my relationship with food and weight loss, which we will get to friends don't worry that's gonna be the end of season three um but 
I think we have to understand that trauma manifests in so many different planes of our life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for bringing that lens to us. Thank you for being a space that represents authenticity, transparency, accountability, um, and just so many other positive things. Thanks for being a positive place for me to curate in my own social and for so many listening out there. I'm sure if people are listening, they know where to find you, but if they've happened upon this as a, a newbie in your space, you, tell us where they can find you. If you have happened upon me, um, <laughs> shout out to Apple Music and Spotify, but you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places where you find people, um, at Krista Janine. I'm at Krista Janine everywhere, um, and my website is KristaJaninePit.com. And that'll take you to all the other things that you need to know about me. But that's where you can find me. I have a yoga retreat coming up this summer in Ghana. Um, centered around Juneteenth and the healing of Black Americans in regards to our ancestral past. Um, so if you're interested in that, also hit me up. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. That's me. That's where I'm at. Love and Tanya, tell it. them where you are. Tell them where you are. Where can... Oh, happy soon. In a quick note, LSF, as in Love Strength Fitness. So on Instagram, it's LSF Yoga. And if you go there, there's a link tree. You can get to all my other stuff, uh, my coaching, my custom created products that I do in tandem with my husband, uh, his world, Black Ballot, all of it. If you go to LSF Yoga on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, and support Thank black you. businesses, y'all. Support black Absolutely. businesses. Absolutely. Buy black all the things. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for listening. This has been so fun. Krista, thanks as always again for bringing your truth, yourself, your light into this space. Uh, appreciate everybody that's tuning in and uh, looking forward to hearing this all come together. All right. Well, thank you, friends, for joining us for another season of Trauma and Triumph. And I will see you next season. Same time, same place, and be on the lookout for when we're launching again. And there you have it, friends, another episode of Trauma and Triumph. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. And if you're liking what you're hearing so far, feel free to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music.